0: Hello and welcome to this special edition of Pubs, Pints, People from the Great British Beer Festival at Olympia. I'm Claire Phillips and I'm here again this year with Alison Tafts and Simon Two Glasses Webster. Hello both of you. What's in your two glasses, Simon? I have Williams Brothers Joker
2: IPA from Scotland and a beautiful cider that Alison got for me on one of the bars here.
3: I'm I'm actually drinking a stout, so it's almost like Simon and I have swapped bodies. (laughs)
0: Well we're here again at the festival and uh, we've been really busy today talking to all sorts of different people here. It's, it's been a fantastic day. So coming up I'll be chatting to the team behind the winning champion beer of Britain which was of course announced earlier today. I've been chatting with Catherine Tonry who's
2: the uh, organiser of the festival from camera. i have also been chatting with a couple of uh, publicans today about the changes to beer duty as well as a hop merchant.
3: So I've noticed that this year's Trade Day has been much busier than last year. We were all here last year, but it seems like there's a lot more people here. The energy is fantastic. I don't know if you can hear around us how many people there are here. Um, I've been talking to brewers from around the country and taking a look backstage at the Great British Beer Festival and, of course, no surprises, some cider and perry as well.
0: And there's been a special guest here as well. More about that. All coming up in Pubs Pints People. Well, we begin with an insight
2: into what it takes to organise a festival on the scale of GBBF as I sit down with Catherine Tonery, festival organiser from Camera's National Executive. This week is hosting its 44th Great British Beer Festival in its current format. How did you first get involved in the festival?
4: Uh, Well, like um, every other sort of volunteer, I uh, I think I saw an advert in uh, What's Brewing and decided (laughs) to go along. I lived in Fulham, so it was essentially my local festival.
2: Uh, I'm just thinking in terms of this year's festival, how many volunteers will be involved in the event?
4: Usually there's approximately a thousand volunteers. A huge number, really, when you think about it.
2: I think the key point is the festival couldn't happen without the volunteers, could it not, in its its current format?
4: Oh, definitely not. As an event, it's one of the largest events run by volunteers in in the country, along with our our other beer festivals are probably the ones that compete with us in terms of size. That's the key thing. We're we're completely volunteer-led and run.
2: And uh, those volunteers, how many visitors will they welcome through the doors of Olympia this week?
4: We're hoping for between twenty-seven and thirty thousand this year. Remains to be seen uh, how many we will actually get through the doors. Obviously, yeah. uh, um, unfortunately, we we dropped a bit after COVID, but uh, we're hoping to get that back up again.
2: And once they've walked through the doors, what's the number of beers that they'll be able to
4: sample? We have, I think, about 600 British beers, plus uh, probably about 100 American beers and about 50 or 60 different Perries and ciders. So we've got uh, quite a selection of drinks. And also not forgetting that we do also have a gin and wine bar where we'll have a wide selection of uh, gins and some wine available for um, those who aren't so keen on beer.
2: And then just in terms of uh, how they uh, perhaps soak up some of the the alcohol, in terms of the food stalls and the food retailers we have?
4: We we do have a wide selection, um, including vegan offerings and all sort of nationality-type foods. We have some sort of traditional English-type food we have, um, such as our um, pies. Uh, then we have sort of American style sort of burgers and things and uh, German sausages and we have Indian street food so so we have a wide variety of different food um, available for people to come and uh, enjoy with their beer
2: when does planning start for a typical GBBF and can you just walk us through some of the the milestones in the in the year leading up to the event
4: essentially um, I'm already planning next year now (laughs) it's one of these things where it's a continual process where I've learned things this year that although I've been doing this since well 2018 festival so I've been doing this for nearly six years if you include the year before that although obviously we had the two, two year hiatus for Covid where we did something slightly different but uh, I, I still see those as sort of good, great events that we put on in a different way. It's a continual learning process and I'm learning every year about oh well we, we did that and it didn't quite work Let, let's think about that for next year so I do have a sort of little notebook that I note things down and occasionally so it's a continual process. The, the key things are generally things get started in a vengeance as such I suppose in sort of January time but I'll be talking the venue already about next year, sort of in terms of the cost and everything. Um, so so it's, it is a continual process.
2: And again, that organizing committee, what sort of roles do people have on that and how do they support um,
4: you? To- there, there's a wide variety of roles on that. We we have our sort of volunteers manager, we have somebody that deals with the accommodation, we have somebody who deals with transport and the facilities, somebody who deals with designing the whole site and sort of laying it out. Uh, we have people doing the beer order. We have somebody in charge of the sort of technical side. Are you looking after the beer and all the bar managers? Uh, we have a chief steward who looks over after the security. Uh, we have somebody in charge of VIP. We also have procurements, so it's, that's the person who goes out and buys stuff for us. So yeah, yeah we have a wide range of people.
2: Okay. And um, obviously, uh, the COVID pandemic was a very unwelcome break in terms of beer festivals in general and GBBF yeah. in particular. But how is How has the festival evolved since the pandemic?
4: I'd like to think we've pushed more, as Camera has as a whole, in being a more sort of inclusive event. So uh, we, we've got a wide selection of non cask beers, although they're still all live. So just trying to get that sort of inclusive message out there. And also our festival code of conduct we put in place to, to ensure that everybody feels safe at our festivals. And I, I think that's a, a key thing that is very important.
2: That, that became a sort of focus, didn't it, after last year's festival, and Camera yeah, moved quite quickly to to introduce this new new charter
4: it's something i think because i hadn't done the festival for two years we 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 put several of these things in place in 2019 and but we weren't really pushing it quite so much in 22 because we hadn't done it for several years and therefore i I, i'd sort of if i'm honest i dropped the ball slightly on that and I, I hold my hand up to that because it, it, it's EDI is something I'm really, really passionate about It in, in my day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. I'm a, um, as you can probably tell by the sort of slightly masculine tone of my voice, I am a trans woman and I, I'm very passionate about sort of ensuring that everybody feels welcome at our festivals.
2: GBBF is obviously a great opportunity to promote cider and perry as well. Can you tell mm-hmm. us a bit more about what's happening on those bars this week and what is planned in general for those drinks?
4: We'll have a wide variety of bag-in-box type ciders as usual that all meet our sort of new definition of uh, real cider that's more talking about whether it's from concentrate or not rather than with uh, beer whether it's live one of the effects of this new definition though is there are now some great keg ciders out there that are real we will be trialing having a few keg ciders available throughout the week as well i'm not talking the likes of strongbow i'm talking like (laughs) properly traditionally produced ciders that happen to be dispensed from a keg we do have a gin and wine bar where we will have some gin and some wine uh, available one of the highlights of our festival is always our american cask beer so we we ship it across ourselves and that's always really a highlight particularly for particular beer nerds who really really want to try that stuff because you you can barely find it in america let alone in the uk finding proper american cask beer
2: and just thinking more broadly so learn and discover is a platform that camera has and uses throughout the year to to engage and educate people about real cider and perry and what's happening with regards to learn and discover at gbbf this week
4: uh we've got a fantastic range of programs there this week um one of the new things we're trialing from this year is um, an introduction to beer tasting that you can just turn up to the stand pay a small amount of money for be led through a sort of a, a tasting of the beers they have there so you can learn a bit about the beer without having to book into a formal session of one of our more formal tastings. So I think that would be really, really positive. Um, Throughout the week, I believe there will be a live brewing demonstration um, where people will see the process of brewing beer um, on obviously a sort of a small sort of homebrew type kit. But I think that's a really interesting thing to add to the festival.
2: And obviously uh, the announcement of the champion beer of Britain always attracts great publicity um, yep. and obviously leads to very long lines as people try and queue up to, to sample the beer. So how, yep. as a festival organiser, do you deal with that supply and demand issue?
4: Uh- we try not to hold it back. We we will sell it when it's available. It's one of the things we do is we do do a reorder for that beer. We and anybody who is interested interested in see Bob is told when we place the order. Yeah, um, have a few casks lying around because we might need it very quickly, and because that. It usually arrives very quickly. It'll arrive sometimes Tuesday, depending how close the brewery. Is, sometimes it'll arrive Tuesday evening. Um, sometimes it'll arrive Wednesday morning. But that gives us enough time to um, put it in our sort of cellar, as such. Although they're not cellars, they're big cold rooms, and make sure it's ready for service um, on the Friday, Saturday, so we have enough beer for the whole week.
2: Yeah. Uh, And you touched on the the thousands that are expected to attend as visitors this week. Uh, What sort of percentage are members and what sort of percentage are non-members?
4: Compared to most camera festivals, we have a wider um, number of non-members in general. It's it's one of the things about uh, GBBF is we try and aim it more at a general market, and I think yeah. that's important um, because it does bring more people into our fold. I, I mentioned earlier that I first volunteered at GBBF because it was my local festival, but that's how I heard about camera. I was a student at the time in London, and I decided to go along to the beer festival with some friends and i really enjoyed it so i joined camera well a little bit too drunk on cider at the time (laughs) uh, at the festival and then i volunteered the very next year so i think it's it's an important recruitment tool for us and it's also getting our name out there to a wider audience than your average camera Beer Festival would.
2: Well, Catherine, thank you very much for sharing some terrific insights into the Great British Beer Festival today. If anyone's Uh listening to this on Wednesday, Thursday or Friday and you want to come down this week, then just head over to gbbf.org.uk and grab your tickets now.
3: I bumped into Emma Inch, well-known beer writer and broadcaster. Emma had said she's had a little look round. What's your impression of the festival so far, Emma? Well, it's great as usual. I mean, I always find it a little overwhelming to know where to start.
5: Uh, But I started with a third of Harvey's Mild, which eased me in. And then I've been at the Discovery Stand, and Laura Hadland has taken me through the London Black tasting. So I've had London Black on its usual nitro on CO2, and on cask and tried, compared them all together, which was really, really interesting. And I think it's a really great way to get people involved in thinking about how beer is served and and how
3: sometimes the best way to serve a certain beer might be different than than another beer. Yeah, that's one of those things, is it? Getting people to think about the different methods and how it affects the flavour and the texture and the overall drinking experience. Is there anything in particular that you are looking forward to trying this year, Emma? Well, I thought I might go and look at the American cask. I've not really um,
5: dug into that before, I don't think. Uh, And then uh, I always like to get, um, we don't get St. Austell proper job down in Brighton very much on cask and it is my, one of my very, very favourite beers. Uh, so I will be going to taste that, and um, I'll also be going back to the Harvey stand where they've got Prince of Denmark, um, but it's not really a starter beer on a day like today, <laughs> so I'll be going there a little bit later. But I also
3: think there's a, a cider or peri tasting at the Discovery stand later, so I'm going to have a look at that too. Oh, fantastic. So some great tips there from Emma. Uh, when you're coming down, you can follow in her footsteps. Thanks, Emma. Thank you very much. I'm here with Ed Sharman and Grant Willison. They are our brewers from the legendary Oakham Ales. Gentlemen, you've got some great beer to show us today. Uh, Ed, what what are you showing today?
6: So we've got, um, on cask, we've got JHB and Citra. And then on keg, we've got our uh, unfiltered Citra. And we've also got a few cans as well, I think.
3: What made you choose (laughs) these beers?
6: Um, The thinking was, being our 30th anniversary, showcasing JHB, which was the first beer we ever made and obviously it was champion beer of britain here in 2001 and then the sort of evolution of ochre males and sort of hop development in the u.s from mount hood which features in jhb all the way through to citra um, and sort of showing the different changing sort of tastes in hops
3: yeah so we're sort of tracing the history of hops and beer really really from the very beginning in terms of what you were doing with citra all yeah. those years ago and yeah how that's developed and evolved um do you have a favorite of those grant and why
7: Citra T90 or Citra Unfiltered that's on today is my personal favourite just because I've kind of gotten to the evolutionary stage of my beer tasting so I've started off a cast, started for bitters like JHB, it was one of the first casts I actually had in the hometown of Peterborough and grew up near there so to see the evolution and to get to where my tastes are at now with Citra Unfiltered is just a nice little compliment
3: yeah well it's great to hear you starting with cask there that's what i like to hear that's great uh, gents i can't wait to help people to try these later on here at the uh, discovery bar have a great festival so alex tell us a little bit about this fantastic bar it's proving very popular there's lots of people in front of me
8: we've got an amazing ingredients display of uh, hops and malts and homebrew kit from the malt miller who are our sponsors for for all homebrew um, equipment and uh, we've just got some amazing people uh, here to help people learn more about the drinks they love.
3: So lots of tasters and lots of opportunity to get up close in person with the hops and the malt. Yes. So if people haven't touched those or sniffed them, Absolutely. this is the opportunity. And it really is interesting, isn't it?
8: Yeah, it's a massive presumption that people might know about this kind of stuff. But most people you meet have never been round a hop or a malt. Um, or even varietal fruits like we've got here for the, for the perry tasting. So there's no presumption of existing knowledge. Um, if you've been drinking for 40 minutes or 40 years, we've got something for you. Um, no matter what your knowledge base is, uh, we welcome you and help you learn more about what you love.
3: So I'm here with Martin from Langham Brewery. Martin, tell us where you are in the world.
6: Uh, at the moment, I'm at the Great British Beer Festival, but the brewery is halfway between Petworth and Midhurst, just off the A272 in West Sussex.
3: That's wonderfully specific. And what's your sort of flagship brew from the brewery?
6: Oh, we have several, but our best-selling beer is hip-hop, 4% pale, not over-hot, but a nice rounded flavour, especially good in the summer.
3: Sounds delicious. And what have you been drinking this afternoon here at GBBF?
6: Well, I'm only on my second half, believe it or not, but I'm, I'm just on milds at the moment. It's called Dark Monroe. Swanee Brewery, used to be Orkney Brewery. Okay, that sounds brilliant. I might yeah. have to, I do love a mile, oh, so yeah. Yes. Brilliant.
3: Lovely to talk to you. And you, nice to meet you. Uh, Drink more. So I have despotted some gentlemen that I think are definitely from a brewery. Uh, did I get this right, folks?
6: Yes. yes. yes
9: we did. are from More Beer in Bristol and London.
3: And what are you drinking at the moment, and what should we be drinking from More Beer at the festival?
9: So we're at uh, BSF, which is always great to come back to and try some foreign beers. We're all on German beer at the minute. Uh, We've got four beers on. I'd really recommend at the minute trying our stout, which you can try the exact same beer, boot at the exact same time, both on casket and keg. So try them both and see what you think.
3: Uh, So we can compare and contrast the two. That's really interesting. Have you tasted anything you've enjoyed so far?
7: Absolutely, Yep. I've been on the Roche beer so far, so having a smoked German lager at
4: the moment, and I love it to bits. Of
3: course you are. Uh, you need some barbecue with that smoked beer, I think. How about yourself, sir? Have you found anything good to drink?
4: Uh, yeah, I'm
6: just flitting my way through some some Belgian things at the moment, really. Um, yeah, I mean, I'll,
2: I'll be drinking some cask later, of course.
3: Of course. But some light Belgians to get you started. Yeah. That's what I like to see. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a lovely afternoon. Thank you. Thank see you, you later.
0: later. It must be difficult enough when, on day one of the Great British Beer Festival, there's a new announcement coming out about beer duty, there's a lot going on, and then you find you're showing the Prime Minister around as well. Well, that's what happened to Camera Chairman Nick Antona today. Nick, did you get any sleep last night?
10: Uh, No, I had a sleepless night, and I was up very early this morning because we also had BBC um, Breakfast News in this morning. So I was off at five o'clock from the halls to get here for time to do a 20 to 7 interview and then we had all the planning ready for for the Prime Minister to, to turn up.
0: Because of course Prime Ministers don't just turn up do they? You have to have the place swept and security and we probably can't talk about all the
10: security that, that goes on but it's a big operation. Well it was it definitely it, this is something that's been known about, planned for the last week and a half. Fortunately we have a, an excellent team of, in our PR uh, our campaigns and communications team so yes they, they were working hard behind the scenes agreeing the agenda for the day uh, who where, where Rishi was going to be going who he was going to be speaking to but of course it was, it was a wonderful opportunity to, to get our message across with him uh, about what we want from, from this new duty relief of that course introduced.
0: because he would have been keen to talk about what they have just introduced but I'm guessing you might want to say have you gone far enough?
10: Yeah, definitely. And, and, and it was it was welcoming that that, um, that he did recognise that this is only the beginning. There is going to be more that we need to be pushing them for. Take the opportunity to campaign on increasing that differential between the on and off trade to make it really a, a big difference for those pubs out there uh, and, and allow them to actually make a bit more money.
0: Do you think that he's, he's got a good understanding of the industry? He's, he's on the industry side?
10: Well, he, he, he did, actually. And what surprised me, he's actually um, a shareholder in five community pubs in his constituency. So he, he really does understand the industry. He spoke to quite a few of the, the big wigs of the industry, if you like, down there on the floor as we walked around. And, uh, yes, he, he knew what he did. After all, he was the Chancellor who kind of brought this legislation forward. So he, he does have an in-depth knowledge, and, and he is a man for detail, apparently. You sound like you're delighted with how the visit went. Well, it, it, it's such a coup to, to, to get it. It's probably the, the very first senior minister that we've ever had at Great British Beer Fest. We've had junior ministers before, but this was the senior minister, the, the biggest one you can get. So, yeah, you know, it is a coup for camera, coup for the Great British Beer Festival that we were able to get such a prestigious guest at our event this year.
0: And, and as you say, they, they don't come much bigger than, than the Prime Minister visiting, but... You've got a lot of other visitors here um, and you will have over the next few days. Are you pleased with how the
10: festival's going so far? Yes, yeah, we, we are. We, we've, everybody seems to be enjoying themselves down there on the floor. Um, glad to be back. Um, last year was, was our welcome back to, to GBBF. This year, we're, again, people just... It's it's the Oscars. They're here for the Oscars of the industry. They um they're here to meet their friends that maybe they haven't seen for a year. And they are a very jovial bunch uh, in the industry. They are w- always willing to share things with each other, kind of give advice. So it's an opportunity for a lot of the trade to kind of learn from each other and learn what they can go and do uh, to uh, make things better. For them.
0: And we, we heard, of course, that you know the, the Chancellor's, the, the, the Prime Minister's take on w- what the um, beer duty... W- the benefits that will bring not everyone is saying it will bring quite as many benefits and that you know the the savings um will be quite as helpful as as one might believe but uh, what do you think
10: well it, it's a starting point we've got to remember we are the first country in Europe that got differential duty for on and off trade it's a starting point we we know that and, and that's why i think it's important that we don't just give up now we we continue pushing uh, the government the treasury to to look at increasing that difference between the on and off trade to make it really a substantial benefit for the pubs and the brewers um, at the expense of supermarkets and, and, and off trade
0: The Prime Minister's visit was really the talk of the festival I caught up with another MP though, Jane Stevenson who sits on the all party parliamentary beer group and she's no stranger to GBBF as I found out I've been coming here for um, gosh it must be about 10 years
11: now uh, and I've played shuffleboard every year when I visited um, and I've been festival champion, I think, three times. Yeah, bigger. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but it does take a lot of practice. But Rishi was surprisingly good for a first go. So. Do, you, do you think he's been secretly practicing? No, I think he's just a bit of a demon. I think he's quite competitive. So I have offered him my own shuffleboard. You have um, your own shuffleboard? I bought one. I didn't practice, unfortunately, but um, but I did buy one after many years because it's a really fun uh, thing. I love old pub games, so no, it's nice. It's awesome.
0: And clearly the, the Prime Minister was enjoying himself here earlier.
11: Absolutely, and I think today's announcement, it's something the all-party group, it's a cross-party group of MPs, and we lobby for support for pubs and brewers and the whole industry, um, and I think we value pubs, and I'm from the black country, very proudly. Um, it's a huge part of our culture, and you know, in tackling loneliness, all of those uh, social benefits of pubs, um, I think we will keep pushing and I'm really pleased that you know this, the announcement of uh, draught beer is, is really positive.
0: This is going to bring down the, the price of, of draught beer uh, com- particularly compared to the supermarkets who have for so yeah. long undercut yep. um, pubs but is it is it really going to make a difference? I mean some some of the things saying well it's going to be a penny more on say a pint yeah. of cider in the in the shops as opposed to, and I shops of course so. can do loss leaders. Yeah. It's they a can. it's a difficult one.
11: They can. I mean we all we, we'll keep our tabs on it and we'll keep seeing how it happens. I think any help is has always been welcome from camera and from the the pop community. So I, I hope it will make a difference and I think in the black country it's it is preaching to the converted because it is a big part of daily life in, in the backcountry. country. You go to work, you pop in for a pint on your way home, see your friends, meet your community. So I, I hope it will make a difference, but, you know, there's always more to do.
0: Something else that um, is changing at the end of September will be the rules on take-home beer yeah. from a pub. Um, the fact that licences were relaxed during yeah. covid that's coming to an end now that could affect particularly rural pubs who perhaps you know if people have to drive there they might want to take a couple of pints home because they can't stay in the pub and drink them absolutely and i'd support that i did read all the a
11: press release yesterday and it did say the government wants that process of converting the license they're encouraging councils to get involved and get on side and make that process a really light touch change. So that's what I'm going to be talking to the Prime Minister. I'm going to be talking to ministers about just to make sure. I'm a PPS at the moment in the Department for Business and Trade, so we'll be pushing to make that as easy as we can for pubs. So I hope that will. I hope that will come off.
0: And today, as we say, big, big announcement helping on the, the, the duty side, which will be great, but it's not just we're not just here to sort of talk about the price of beer, important though that is, what else are you looking forward to at the festival? At the, um, I always love the
11: cider bar um, I'm a big fan of very dry cider, the you know, proper old school ciders, I'm looking forward to trying some West Midlands, fantastic uh, beer, I haven't been to the West Midlands stand yet, but every year I've been coming for Obviously, I haven't had a champion beer, so I hope I get to try that. The last champion beer I tried was, I can't remember who made it, Siren Breakfast Stout. That's fantastic, yes. That was an absolutely delicious beer, so really looking forward to that. And there's a few colleagues here who um, are from the All Party group. And I, um, I think trying the champion beer would be a triumph but um, just trying a range of things uh, from the West Midlands, I hope. Oh,
0: perhaps, perhaps you'll get to try, perhaps it'll be from the West Midlands, a champion beer, who knows? So the
11: PM doesn't drink, but he did come to um, Banks's with me, he came to Marston's now, but in, the, in Wolverhampton. So uh, we poured some hops in and he learnt more about brewing and breweries, so really pleased with the announcement, and really pleased that the all-party group um, which has members from every party, I think apart from the Greens in Parliament, really pleased that our voice is heard and it's thought about when Treasury takes these decisions. So I'm here at the uh, Learning and Discovery
3: Bar, the Disco Bar as it's uh, been named, and I'm. there's lots of people around me and they're all tasting uh, wonderful beers including There are three trays in front of me with the Anspach and Hobday London Black, which is a a small craft brewery. They're now based in Croydon and they're making this amazing London Black Porter. Now the normal style we see it served in here in London in pubs is as a nitro, a nitro Porter. So it's injected with nitrogen, to give it that creamy mouthfeel that we come to expect uh, from Guinness and other similar styles. But here at the Disco Bar, we've got the opportunity to try three different versions of the London Black, and one of them has been uniquely conditioned in a cask, especially for the occasion. So we've had a chance to taste it on cask, uh, and we've got a chance to taste it with the Nitro Dispense, and we've also got an example that's had carbon dioxide added. to it, So CO2 has been added to it. And we've got three samples alongside one another. And I'm surrounded by people that are all tasting these three different examples of the same beer. So it's a really interesting way to try uh, the flavour and also the texture of these beers. So I've been sipping the three of them alongside each other. And it's really interesting to see the difference. Now, I totally understand why people enjoy the nitro. It's got a really soft creamy mouthfeel and it really sort of carries on the palate uh, and obviously it serves slightly colder so that the flavour is slightly chilled down and I can totally see why if it's a hot day or if you're looking to enjoy a number of these that might be exactly what you want but the cask version of this is absolutely delicious it's got a really sort of richer flavour, I can really taste the malt, I can taste that sort of delicious, slightly uh, sort of roasty character coming from those malts and it is absolutely superb so I can say that the nitro version is very very tasty and I can totally see why people are enjoying it but that cask version I know it's only been brewed specially for GBBF and for the Discovery Bar but wow it's really superb.
2: I'm joined now on the floor by Geoffrey Bell, landlord of the Ypres Castle in Rye on England's beautiful south coast. Uh, Geoffrey what brings you to the GBBF today?
9: Well, it's always good to catch up with people. I'm here with my mate Dan, who's from Jolly Good Beer, one of my distributors I use. I'm meeting lots of my suppliers, lots of my mates, uh, lots of people I haven't seen for ages, so that's really nice. But also, it's you know, it's always exciting to have a massive beer. with loads to choose from,
2: isn't it? Yeah. And also, your pub's famous for its range of cascales and, and keg beers and also some cider. So what are you really looking forward to trying today? Well, I mean, I've just tried, for
9: example cask version of London Black which is I sell on keg from Key Keg usually nitrogenated Key Keg at the Discovery Bar the camera discovery bar so that was exciting so like trying you know a cask treatment of something that's been in keg that's been really good but also there's just a few breweries I've got a hit list that I like to order from I want to encourage distributors who maybe come to me to, to bring from maybe the north or from other parts of the country. I've got a little hit list. I made an iPhone note last night and I'm going to tick them <laughs> off and try and see them and, and make a little mental note of what they're like. Yeah.
2: And also the government's announced some changes to beer duty and other alcohol duties today. Uh, what sort of impact do you feel that will have as a, as a publican? Well, I mean, first of all, there's, from a publican, often one of the things
9: we often got used to, and I certainly did during covid was was selling takeaways for home consumption and you can't really do that because draft beer duty relief means that barrels come with only yep. draft of duty paid and that makes that technically something you shouldn't do so that's an impact um, i think the fact there's a new um i sell a lot of double ipas on keg and things like that but actually most of them usually aren't above 8.4 which seems to be this terrible threshold Maybe that's not going to have such a bad effect. There seems to be a degree of consternation among brewers about it. There's kind of winners and losers in terms of beer styles and ABVs. It's not something we needed now. I would say that. I would say it to do one of the biggest rearrangements of alcohol duty ever, just at a time when the industry is reeling from all sorts of disasters and problems that are ongoing. Could this not have happened in five years' time, is what I would say. So it's an impact because it's disruptive at a very bad
2: time. And there's some talk about the, a slight change in price uh, in supermarkets and takeaways being slightly more expensive versus a slight fall in the price in pubs. Do you think that would be reflected in what consumers are paying? I don't think so because everyone unfortunately tries to
9: protect their margins at this point. And it's the same if there was a VAT cut or anything. I mean, I'm just speaking absolutely frankly. Nobody who is in business is going to want to reduce prices unless they're doing massive volumes and think it will drive them because small businesses have been struggling for margin throughout this inflationary period because of our energy costs, because of all the costs of all the supplies that aren't necessarily what we're selling, the costs of sales supplies. Daft things like Blue Roll and cute cleaning fluids and toilet paper and all the things that you have to buy for pubs have all gone up and you know we haven't most of us i certainly haven't fed that through into prices so when if there was any real reduction in in the price of beer even at the brewery level they probably wouldn't want to reduce the price either because their energy costs are terrible so unfortunately you know this inflationary spiral is not so easily solved in terms of pub prices
12: a Brewster. Tell me your name. Um, My name's Lucy. I'm from Wibblers Brewery and I'm one of the Brewsters in there. Well, I'm the Brewster. we have also got a brewer. But I also handle the event organising, so our festival, I organise plan that, as well as our social media marketing team that I'm in charge of as well. So you've got many hats there. Um, Whereabouts are you at Wibblers? So we're in Southminster, which is in the countryside of East Essex. Um, We're right near the end towards the sea. Um, So we are in a 16th century old farm itself, a big black barn um, surrounded by fields. We've got a train line luckily, but other than that it is just fields. So it's a lovely area for outside drinking as well. Fantastic. So
3: we can make our way to you on the train line and taste some of your delicious beers. So tell me, uh, which
12: is the favourite beer that you brew at Wibblers? My favourite beer at the moment would have to be one of our specials. It's called Solar Eclipse and it is a light golden, very fruity, hoppy beer. It's about 4% um, and that was a sister brew we did. So we did one brew and, and then created two beers from the same brew. So we split it down the middle and we ended up with solar eclipse and lunar eclipse. So lunar eclipse is a darker variation whereas solar eclipse is the golden variation of the beer. Sounds fantastic. And how did you get into being a brewster? So my dad actually owns the brewery, so I was born and raised into it. However, I did go to Nottingham University and did the brewing science degree with them. So I was one of the first, if not the first female brewster in Essex to do the degree at Nottingham University with them. So that's where I sit now with the most qualifications in the brew house. I love it. Fantastic. And what have you had this afternoon at GBBF that you've really enjoyed? My favourite so far would be Masquerade from Monty's Brewery down in North Wales, I believe. Quite a lovely beer, to be fair, when I had some of that. Oh, goodness, I've forgotten where I've drank to be There are fair. so many beers, aren't there? It's unbelievable. So, what type of beer was the Monty's beer that you were mentioning? Um, it was a golden one, rather citrusy and hoppy. It had a lot of it, hoppy notes to it as well on the tongue, as well as the citrusy notes on the nose, such as grapefruit from the hops, um, which was what I quite enjoyed because I'd prefer beers that are fruity and hoppy. It sounds absolutely delicious. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us, and best of luck.
3: Brewster of Weblers, thank, thank you, you so, so much you. My name is Paul
6: Corbett I'm uh, from Charles Ferriman Company I've been there 34 years I'm managing director and part owner of the company. It's a great opportunity for us to come taste some of the hops in the beers so we get to know what the hops taste like, so our team are here as well um, but also to meet our brewery customers who we deal with it all year long and some of them we never get a chance to see so coming here to the trade session is ideal for us to come and meet people and see them
2: and can you just run through some of those breweries that you supply and that you have a, oh, a relationship well, with? Well, we're looking along here.
6: Titanic, yes. Vale Brewery, yes. Woodford's, yes. Theakson's, yes. Oakham, yes. Lords Brewery, yes. John Deals, with them. My Moyen in London, yes. So most of them. I, we, we go along here. I don't think there's anybody along here that we don't actually deal with. So we do a bit of everything for a lot of people.
2: Fantastic. So. And just in terms of the hops that you're supplying, you're growing and you're developing, are there any... Uh, Hops that have come out recently or in development that you you'd like to talk about? Well, we've
6: been trying to produce British hops in the UK. Or, well, we started a breeding program in two thousand nine, and we've been developing new varieties of hops since then. So, originally, Jester, olecana uh, Godiva, Mystic, and the, the latest one is Harlequin, which we're having a lot of success with. Trying to compete with the new world flavors coming from America and New Zealand to give us some opportunities for brewers to use locally grown produce. A key part for me is trying to um, have brewers, you know, tapping into that local resource which, you know, they're all local breweries, they all want to supply local customers, so what's got to be right for me is to use locally grown hops, you know, that's a big part of it. Having said that, I love American hops, I love New Zealand hops, the flavours they produce are fantastic. There's lots of flavours out there. We were the first people bringing Citra into the UK. We were the first people to bring Nelson Sauvon into the UK. So we're always looking for these new flavours, but I think now the time is right to focus on sustainability and trying to produce hops more locally to the breweries. Welcome to
13: the most surreal day of my life. I would like to thank my newest trainee, Address 10 Downing Street for listening to me when I was showing him how to floor a fight. I am up here with the privilege of announcing the Champion Beer of Britain and I get to do this bit but I can't do that without the hundreds and thousands of hours that our volunteers have put in when it comes to getting these beers to be judged on step up here. From the brewery liaison officers who make sure that the information is available for members to nominate. From the festival organisers and beer orderers and cellar people who make those competitions happen. We have 100 qualifying competitions for our beers. And then through to the winners coming to both the Great British Beer Festival Winter, and today at the Great British Beer Festival and also we have hundreds of judges who give up their time and expertise to help us identify the best beers in the country. We're gonna start with the newest one added to our stable and that is the homebrew competition. I'd like to invite Zach from Brewhouse and Kitchen Worthing onto stage because he has the privilege of brewing the winner and he has bragging rights over Matt Walker who did last year because he doesn't have to brew a 16% stout. Sorry if you entered a 16% stout, that means you now know you haven't won. But the top three, and I'm going to invite gold winners onto the stage, bronze winners will give you a round of applause and silvers as well, but for the champion homebrew, our bronze winner is Old Clare by Mark Robotham. Our silver is Golden Dragon by Richard Rosebank. And the beer that Zach will be brewing at the Brewhouse and Kitchen in Worthing is the Magnificent Frigate Strong Mild by Patrick Davies. And now our supreme champion for bottled beers in bronze, Five Kingdoms McGregor Mild, in silver, Hobson's Dewstone Stout, and the gold winner is Green Jack Baltic Trader. So congratulations to Green Jack, Rory. We'll be speaking with your local representatives to arrange a presentation. And now, something I have always wanted to do since I first had a Champion Beer of Britain on my bar in 2013, is announce a Champion Beer of Britain. What I didn't think I'd be doing would be announcing the Champion Beer of Britain of 2023,
0: as the same beer, Elland 1872 Porter. Well, fresh from the announcement of Supreme Champion Beer of Britain, um, I'm joined by three from Elland Brewery. It's uh, Rob Thomas, who's the brewer. Joe France is the MD of the company, and Scott Hutchinson, who is in charge of sales guys congratulations joe maybe if i start with you this must be a fantastic feeling to not just hold this trophy once but this is the second time
7: yeah so this is the second time for the brewery um, it's an unbelievable feeling uh, still pinching ourselves but um, as a team this is our first time I think post-pandemic the brewery went through some, some difficult times and this new team has really kind of come in post that and galvanized and, and kind of come through and, and, and won the award again so same beer ever a slight different recipe but um, yeah different team that, are, that have done it this time which is just great.
14: Rob tell me ab- about the beer. It's a, it's an absolute classic recipe. It's been around for a very long time. I'm quite honoured to be able to brew it myself at the brewery. It's been kind of passed on to me to brew. Um, and like Joe said, we've made a couple of little changes to bring it up to how we, as a three, like it. And from there, it's um, it's amazing. I've, I've I really enjoyed. It.
0: Do you worry when you make a change? You've already done the double. It's won the Champion Dark Beer of Britain, and it had won Supreme Champion Beer of Britain in the past. When you start making those little tweaks, do you think, oh, is this going to be the right thing?
14: Uh, well, with beer, there's there's a lot of tweaks that get made through the over the years, and uh, beer struggles to stay the exact same all the time with the different hops and stuff. Uh, one thing that we did this year is revert back to look through previous recipes and, and make sure that we were kind of making what was that amazing beer that everyone's loved before and uh, so we've made them little adaptions and and we get to try it along the way and because we get to do that we kind of know how good it's going to be when it comes out and uh, it's proved kind of this time as we've made it really.
0: Scott, if I can turn to you, obviously a great accolade for for the brewery, but what's it going to mean as far as business and sales in particular are concerned?
8: Well, (laughs) obviously that remains to be seen. Tomorrow I'll definitely be driving back down from Yorkshire, To London to bring uh, ten casts of beer in the van because there's literally just the three of us in the brewery uh, for the most part, so it's a small team that we're going to, you know, graft very hard to try and keep up with what we hope will be expanded and inflated demand from this point on. Um, But mostly, I think the thing that we want to be able to do is to to build on the name and to to spread the word. You know, in the modern um, environment, you've got social media. Everybody wants to talk about the things that are uh, popular and famous. Uh, We'll probably have to do another bottling run, I would think, so that we can send some stuff out to places where we can't necessarily reach.
0: And that's the thing with with Champion Beer Britain. If if you win that, every beer festival in the country is going to want you. And, And as you say, you're a small team. How are you going to be able to keep up with the demand?
8: That's a very good question. Um, I think possibly, I'm currently part time, so really there's only two and a half of us rather than three of us most of the time in the brew. Or well, two and two halves, because Joe's dad Steve is around a lot as well. Um, I might have to up my hours a bit and uh, come and put some hours in the brew house, but uh, we'll, we'll make a way, we'll find a way through. I think that's, that's part of the story of Ellen Brewery is that in 20 years of, of changes and the the industry changing around us and then you know lockdown making things difficult for us, the brewery almost fell over just over a year ago, really, with management change. And stuff, um, but the things that have stayed consistent—the recipes, the yeast, the kit—you know—we've we, managed to, to stick with a, a, a traditional and a, 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 a traditional process in a, a set of flavours and a set of styles that we believe in and that we we know are, are popular and are, are consistent and will will stand the test of time. We think that we'll manage to to uh, to keep up with this in the future and hopefully we'll be able to even build on this and expand going forward.
0: Well, Joe, if I can come back to you. The, the brewery, as, you, as we've heard, is a small brewery. Tell me about your range of beers.
7: We've got a core of four, so we offer a blonde, the, the porters is a permanent core, uh, Nel Thrasher, which is a, a best bitter, and, and a Sea Pale, which is um, like a, a 4.1% pale. Um, we do try and do as many specials as we can, obviously with the size it depends on, on volume and, and how much flow through we've got. Uh, so at the minute we've got four different specials. We've got a, a huge back catalogue of amazing recipes that we can um, that we can look back to. Just at the minute we've got amnesia which is which is one of the crowd favourites and summer breeze which I know people like as well. But we also try and innovate and create new new recipes. We're quite aware that the market isn't staying still and we've got to move with that. So whilst we've got some great recipes and, and eighteen seventy two, like it's twenty odd years old now, it's a fantastic recipe that we will always be doing but we, we want to move with the times as well and, and kind of keep up with that. So
0: And how many people are drinking Porter at the moment? Is it still as as popular or or is it not one of your most popular brands?
7: It's our best seller still. So, yeah, it it, it flies out. It's probably 20% of our throughput at least. I think once you've got a good beer, style doesn't really matter. You've got people that that will like everything. I mean, I I could drink Porter all day long. Um, I know many people are the same. So I think good beer is good beer the idea that it, it's a winter beer or it's only available, like it should only be available certain times of year i, I don't agree with I, th- I think yeah i think every beer's got its place it's just people have different tastes
0: now rob you you won the winter champion beer of britain with with this beer so that's brought you to this festival what were you thinking when you when you arrived here today did you think you could do the double
14: do you know what? Yeah, yeah, we kind of we did, but I, I I wasn't coming here today to win an award. We were coming here today for a good day out, spend some time as a team right. here, yeah. and, and have a nice time. And and do you know what? We, we've done it, and it. And it it's not surprising that we've done it because it's an amazing beer, it's an amazing team that we've got here. But just does feel as a surprise, we couldn't really believe it when it got called out. That we was, I couldn't quite understand the judging system of how everything got called out, so I, I thought it was impossible that we were going to win it. But and then it got called out, and, and it and it just yeah, it feels great, it feels really cool. brilliant. Thank, yeah.
0: you very much, <laughs> thank,
6: thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
3: In this podcast, we wanted to give you a feeling for this year's Great British Beer Festival here at Olympia, and the huge range of food, drink and learning on offer. It's a great day out. And of course, there are festivals up and down the country organised by camera branches, breweries and pubs that are also well worth visiting throughout the year. There were several books launched at this GBBF, and we've spoken with Des De Moore about his forthcoming new book, Cask, and Adam Wells about his book on Perry. Rather than edit these interviews to make them fit within this festival podcast, we're going to issue a GBBF podcast part two next week where we'll hear those interviews in full along with Pete Brown telling us about the Drink Cast Fresh campaign that he's been running
0: just before we go it's time as ever on pubs pints people for our last orders it's our favorite beers from the festival or at least those we've managed to try so far because of course we have been working very hard uh, we, we've all got glasses in front. i've got a feeling that alison and i might be about to say the same last orders <laughs> that that would never do so let's start with simon so
2: i uh, uh, an honorable mention for me to uh, little pomona's root and branch which is a keg-conditioned live cider which I very much enjoyed tasting today I was also very fortunate to try the Elland 1872 Porter which was announced as Champion Beer of Britain earlier I happened to be standing about 10 metres from the bar so I hopped over and made sure I was able to enjoy uh, half of that
0: Oh wow, what, was, what, was your, what were your thoughts on it? But it's one of my favourite beers, so coming here today, I thought I
2: must try that. And it was as reliable and as beautiful as ever. Slightly sweeter notes, I thought, this year than in, than in past years.
0: Of course, they said in the interview that they, they tweak the recipe all the time. And I, I did wonder whether that makes a difference. I, I'm i hoping before I go home, I might get to try some myself. Alison, your, your beer of the festival so far? Well, it's very difficult to say because, as you know, my recipe for the, the successful GBBF
3: always begins with a half of Harvey's Dark Mild, and that's the way I started things today. And I was very impressed with the wonderful Tom Payne from Harvey's today, the lovely malt and fruit balance. And I've also been toasting the London Black from Anspach and Hob Day on the Discovery Stand, which has been showing beautifully. And um, I was delighted that some of my fellow GBBF um, uh, Pubs Pints People hosts. Uh, got their, their mouths around some lovely cider and perry at the Hoppin Cider and Perry Bar. And there were some great things on offer. And my particular favourite today was Ross on Wye Cider and Perry's Thorn Flaky and Friends, which is a completely natural uh, perry from a very rare and sort of frankly endangered perry-pear, but absolutely beautiful, delicious drink.
0: Well, I also tried a, a Perry this afternoon, and uh, that was from Wynhill, who are based in Norfolk. Very much enjoyed that. I'm, I'm not a stranger to their Ciders uh, and Perrys, in fact. Uh, my last orders at the moment, I've got a, a glass in front of me of the Tempest Cresta Stout. It's a 4.1%. It's unrefined. I'm really enjoying this. It's, it's kind of... It's almost got a little... I know you've got some as well, Alice. It's almost a little bit portery in some ways, it isn't is it? lovely,
3: isn't it? Really smooth. It's definitely easing us out of GBBF uh, this
0: year. It's easing us out of pubs, pints, people. <laughs> There's the rest of the evening to go before you start talking about e- easing us out. But that really is it from us here on day one of the GBBF. It runs until Saturday the 5th, of course. So until next time, cheers! <laughs> Just does a free case of beer sound? Yes, you can grab a case for free courtesy of our pals at Beer 52 by going to www.beer52.com forward slash people, that's the numbers five, two, in the 52, and covering the meagre postage cost of £5.95. And what's more, as a special offer for our listeners, they'll throw in two extra beers for free, so that's 10 unique craft beers.
2: Beer 52 is actually the biggest beer club in the world. Each month they send their members a case of beer from a different part of the world, and this month it's an absolute belter. Their great European road trip case takes in the best beers from across the continent.
3: So try a crisp, refreshing Pilsner from Norway's Lervig Brewery and a monster 7.5 double IPA from Sweden's Derges Brewery. On the dark side this month, there's a smooth stout from Copenhagen's Tool. There's also beer from Croatia, Poland, Germany, Serbia, and Austria, among others.
0: And if dark beer is not your thing, you can choose the light only case. Also included is the ever insightful ferment magazine and a couple of tasty snacks. And even if, after all that, you're still unsatisfied, you can simply pause or cancel at any time.
2: So head over to www.beer fifty two that's the numbers five and two dot com forward slash people to claim your free case of ten beers now.